Welcome to Pre-Med Gems. Here we'll drop the gems and jewels to get you through your pre-medical journey. Medical school applications open around the same time every year, and it's crucial to do your part and your best in these applications. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts in your application process with a guest speaker who applied to both MD and DO. Stay tuned. So the components of the application are typically the MCAT, personal statement, activities section, coursework and transcripts, as well as occasionally the CASPER exam and situational judgment test. And um, you also have to add your letters of recommendation, which can come from various sources, and your secondaries, which will come after the primary application. Well, the timeline for MD schools and DO schools applications typically start around the same time, which is May 3rd for AMCAS and May 4th for AAMCOSA, which is May 4th again. Um, MCAS, May 27th, application submissions begin. June 25th, initial transmissions to schools and August 2nd, early decision programs deadline. And just to clarify, um, MCAS is for MD and AAMCOSA are for DO schools. And the deadlines actually vary by school and they range from October to December of the same year. So now we're going to invite a friend of ours in through a Zoom where we're going to interview him on his application process through MD and DO. And we're going to give a little synopsis of his life and the reason why he chose which med schools he wanted to go into. So let's add him on. So in this segment, we are now going to introduce one of our fellow Step Up members, Charles Perez Suarez. In his bio... He states, I was raised in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. I was raised in a family of Mexican immigrants, and I'm a first-generation student. I am currently completing the last two weeks of undergrad at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. I've been involved in a lot of leadership and volunteer positions throughout college, such as a first-generation mentor through Bradley's Diversity and Inclusion Office, the president of the in fraternity council and worked as a medical scribe in the emergency emergency department for about two years. The reason I became so interested in medicine was through my volunteering as a Spanish interpreter at a free clinic and realizing there was not enough Spanish speaking and culturally informed medical professionals. I knew I would be able to make a difference in medicine with my Spanish language knowledge and cultural, cultural awareness of the Latinx community. At the end of the application cycle, I received eight DO and five MD interview invites. Attended one DO and five MD interviews, and I was accepted to one DO and four MD medical schools. Hmm. I decided to stay in Illinois and and will be attending the University of Illinois College of Medicine in August. So let's clap it up for Charles. We're so glad to have you on our podcast. So Charles, we have a series of questions for you in regards to your application. So I'm going to get the questions off. So the first question we're going to ask you is about like the components of the actual application process. Like what was your first impression of it, of each one, the um, AMC? C-A-S and the A-A-M-C-O-S-A's for DO and MD schools? 
Yeah, so the process is really long, honestly, uh, which is why I definitely tell, I'd recommend like people start early. Uh, for me, uh, I applied to both DO and MD schools, so the Comus application for DO schools, and then the double for schools, uh, and like identical um, application processes, except like um, the like personal statement for the MD schools versus DO schools is like the DO school, like our personal statement's a little shorter and like the descriptions of like all your activities a little, are a little shorter. But in terms of like everything that you need, like you need to input like all your classes you took, your GPA, your MCAT, your letters of rec, all that stuff. It's like nearly identical between the two. Um, uh, just like the major difference being like a, a few words between the personal statement and then the, the, um, the descriptions of each activity. And then I know that Geo uh, schools, like the, through Ocomus, their application actually starts like a month early. I think theirs starts in like, uh, you can submit it in May versus Geo schools. It's like, or MD schools, it's towards the end of May. Okay. Yeah, I know they just recently changed like the deadlines this year. I think maybe because of COVID or the complications they yeah, had last it year. Yeah, it was actually a little bit earlier mm-hmm. in regards to last year was later, probably around June, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now they're opening both in May, and then you can submit as early as June 17th, I believe? Um, or June 25th. Oh. And um, what was... Did you take the CASPER exam? Or yeah, can or you explain did, what the CASPER yeah. exam is? Yeah, so it's it's nothing like the MCAT. It's like a really laid-back exam. It's, uh, it's basically just like... They put you in these random scenarios of like... Kind of like ethical dilemma kind of question where like you know like you hear about like some one of your classmates cheating on an exam or something like and then they ask you like what would you do at the end of like um certain things and so like that like you just get put in situations like that where you have to like come up with a, a solution or explain what your process your thinking process is in terms of making that decision and so it's like it makes you think really fast and it makes you type really fast, but it's nothing like the MCAT. It's kind oh, of really it's timed? Um, yes, it is timed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly. I think you get a few minutes per passage. Um, they have the Casper has like this practice exam on their website. The, that's like the only the only thing I used to practice for that exam. Like I did one of their practice exams, and it's like identical to what you'll actually see on the real thing. So, so for a lot of people who don't know what the Casper exam is. How do you take it? Because I know that you use like a video record or a camera and you speak your answers as opposed to writing them. Is that right? Uh, no, it's so you do have to have your camera on the whole time to make sure like you're actually the one taking the exam, obviously. But um, in terms of like your answers, they give you the video and then you have to type out your answers really quick. Oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. they they give you prompts and then they give you like a minute to think about what you're going to type and then they let you type it for like another additional minute oh. but you have to type it all out the wow. camera's just like you're the one taking it okay mm-hmm. and how many schools would you say require the casper exam that you apply to um i think so i applied to like 22 md schools and i think like five or six of them required it and then do schools i applied to 10 or like around 10 and i think around like three or four required it. So I'd say a pretty decent number, I think. 
Uh, I know, like, the AAMC is coming up with, like, their own version of, like, the Casper exam, mm-hmm. so that the might situational be, judgment test. Like, the thing that the... Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. So... They always come up with something. Yeah, but only like four schools require, or like three schools require it, and like six schools even use it. It's like strongly recommended to other schools, so it's like very new and up and coming. Most people are still leaning towards Casper. And um, well, can yeah. we talk MCAT? We can talk MCAT. So after, okay, so um, Charles was actually in our MCAT, well, in Jefferson's medical internship with us, and we for the MCAT so did you think that the internship helped you and prepared you for taking the exam I, I definitely think it did um I really liked how like the they gave us like that Princeton review, they gave us a Princeton review course and so um it kind of like, gave me like there's just so much content on the MCAT so like having the Princeton review course to like you know guide you on like okay what you do what do you need to study and then they kind of basically essentially gave you a plan to study and so I really like that. Um, in terms of, like of all the material covered, I I think the Princeton review course that they gave us like for sure covered enough of the MCAT material that you'll see on the actual exam. Um, I definitely would recommend just like in terms of how I prepped, like uh, like obviously we we had class in the mornings and then after that I would always like give myself something to look forward to. So like I would always go out for like a run. Um, right after me, right after class, because I, I like it was just so boring to sit in a class for three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so just giving yourself something to look forward to, or else it's just going to be like a bird, and you're not going to be like, oh man, I got another three hours to study, you know? Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, and another workshop to go to. Yeah, and then, <laughs> those definitely did help, though. I like I like all those uh, case based learning and everything. Oh I yeah, like that. yeah, that was fun. Um, and in regards to how you prep, did you do a lot of passage-based questions or? Um, so I did a lot of practice exams. I think I finished off with like, uh, completing like 10 or 12 to 14 full-length exams. So what I would do is, uh, once a week, like, or like the, the first month going into the MCAT, I only, I took an exam practice exam every other week. On the weekend, and then uh, the month before, I took a, a practice exam every week. Mm. And so, what I would do is like Saturday, I would like get up really early, take the whole MCAT, and then after I took the MCAT, see my score, and then just give my the rest, the rest of my day off because it's it's so draining. Mm. That's true. And then, and then after that, what I would do is like the following days when I would actually go over my MCAT because I was like I would be so drained on like Saturday night, and I just wanted to relax, and so. Saturday morning, I would go over the exams. Um, I definitely think going over the exams is what um, improved my score so much. Uh, like what I would like, what I would always do is, um, like I would obviously go through every single question, even the ones I got right. Um, and so what I would do is like I would look at the question, or look at the yeah, look at the question, look at the potential answers, and then um, if I got it right, did my logic make sense for that question? Like for the answer that I selected, and uh, if not, like why was my answer wrong and like why are the all the other answers bad kind of thing and so uh, i, I kind of like that really did help with the content portion so like if i got like something wrong on content instead of like stuff that you see in the passage like content based i did a lot better and um what i would do is like if i continuously got the same like topic wrong i would write it down on like a piece of paper and then um 
I forgot the name of the website, uh, but like, oh, I think it was Khan Academy. Khan Academy has like lectures on like every single topic. So what I would do is like, really good advice not only to like our listeners but also to me and Jen because we're gonna be taking our MCAT soon as well mm-hmm. um I guess we can move on to personal statement so what would you advise to everyone writing their personal statement what to put in it what not to put in it what are med school applications looking for admissions looking for yeah so I mean definitely think um the easiest part about writing the personal statement is like the rough draft after that, like, the editing is, like, the longest part and the most tedious, I feel like. Like, so, like, for me, I, um, I wrote my personal statement, um, and then I had a, I had a really good, uh, pre, pre-med advisor, and she was really nice. She's, like, the best ever. And, um, we would basically just go over my personal statement once a week, and then for, like, a month and a half. So, I had, like, six different drafts, uh, after my first initial one. So, I definitely recommend having someone... Uh, who's familiar with the medical school process to look over your actual personal statement um, to give you like better insight into like what kind of things not to write about. And so like uh, for me, I kind of I kind of wrote my story based upon like why I was drawn into medicine. I feel like that's kind of like the problem doesn't really tell you why you're inter- like write describe why you're interested in medicine, but it's more like it's just open ended. So for me, I wrote about why I was interested in medicine. So what I did uh, was I, I started off with a little bit of like a, like a story in the background about how uh, growing up, both of my parents didn't speak English. And so um, whenever I would see like, uh, whenever I would go anywhere with my parents, I would have to interpret for them. But my physician actually spoke Spanish. And so uh, I talked about how like I didn't, that was the only place I didn't have to, you know, interpret for my, my parents. And, That's such a touch you know, story. How, how amazing it was that like he was able to make like such a drastic impact you know and he wasn't like native spanish speaking like he obviously had an accent and everything but it was like being able to overcome that barrier and then so i talked about how that's the kind of physician i wanted to be and how um you know like that's kind of my motivation to medicine seeing like the um, disadvantages that uh spanish-speaking patients have and everything so i think like for me in, ter- or like finding, in terms of finding what you want to write about your personal statement, make something like, make it about like something you're passionate about and something that, like, you know, is honest, like, you know, why, why are you actually drawn into medicine kind of thing? So just finding that motivation for why you're drawn into becoming a doctor. Wow, how touching. That is. And when I read your bio, I, this is your personal statement right there. Honestly. That was the, that was it. And, um... Moving on to the activity section, which activities did you choose? Because it seems like you're very like involved in your um, undergraduate career. You have a lot of things going on. So did you have to narrow it down? And if you did, like, how'd you decide which ones actually like made the cut? Because I know like the limit's like 15, I believe, mm-hmm. activities. Yeah, so the ones I wrote about were like the ones I was most involved in, the ones stuff I was more passionate about. Um, like, there were some clubs I was just involved in, like, once every other week or something. I was spent, like, half an hour there. And so, like, I didn't feel like I was enough for me to, like, you know, want to actually put that on my, like, my uh, application in med school just because it wasn't, like, something I could talk about, like, in depth versus, like, everything else I put on that application. I was pretty much talking in depth about 
uh, during like uh, actual interviews. And so um, some of my leadership roles I put on there because I feel like that was like a really big impact about like, um, I feel like when I went into like uh, college, I started off really like introverted. And then through like acti certain activities, like leadership activities, I kind of had a like, I would say I had to talk a lot more. And so I kind of got more, I, I became I became more open to like talking to other people and everything, and then kind of learned what it was like to be like in charge of things. And so um, I was able to talk about stuff like that. So essentially, anything that you think made a drastic impact on your like um, college like journey and everything, um, in terms of like work or why or anything that impacted you into like why you wanted to go into medicine, I feel like are really good. Um, things to write about in different activity descriptions. And so for me, um, some of the stuff I narrowed down was leadership, uh, things that motivated me to go into medicine, so like scribing and working as a uh, Spanish interpreter, and then uh, things I was passionate about. So I like I really like volunteering, so I talked about uh, volunteering at a food bank and spending my summer volunteering at like a Habitat for Humanity and a local ER and everything. And then uh, just like in terms of like other things, like uh, I just jobs. So like I worked as a pharmacy tech first and second year of college. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, I have a question in regards to grades. So I know a lot of people get discouraged when they have like a C or maybe two C's on their transcript. How do you feel about applying to med school with some lower grades opposed to like all A's and B's? Yeah, so, uh, personally, I, I, I've never gotten a, a C, but um, on my, one of my interviews, <laughs> <laughs> it came up on one of my interviews, actually. Um, he's like, you know, I see that you didn't get any Cs, but, like, one, can you name a time, like, when you struggled in school? And, um, so, like, even, like, regardless of whether or not you got a few Cs, like, it, like the grand scheme of things, like a C doesn't stop you from becoming a, do a doctor, you know, like it's like, you know, even, even a few withdrawals or something, it's not going to stop you from being a doctor if that's what you want. And so, um, like I would definitely talk to your pre-med advisor and everything just to make sure that like the schools that you are applying to are reasonable with your like GPA and MCAT. Um, but even if like you're applying with like some C's, like you're just going to have to be able to talk about like, um, how you overcame issues like that and how um, how you plan like to like do well when during when things get challenging. So for me, one of the questions they asked me uh, during one of the interview one of my interviews was um, I'm not going to name the school, but like one of the questions that they asked me was, uh, well, can you name a time when school got really difficult and what did you do to uh, you know prevent yourself from like falling behind and everything? And so. I, I talked about uh, one of my semesters. I was taking uh, like a physics, biochemistry, and genetics. And in one semester? Like semester. Oh my yeah, goodness! I told you. Lord, I'm saying I gotta do that. That's <laughs> doing the same thing. So yeah, it was. I was so miserable, and so uh, just being able to talk about like how how you manage stress and how. Like, you know, your study habits have changed since then. I think it's just a really big part. 
Yeah, it's a really good quality and a really big quality that you need going into medical school yeah. because you're going to be taking a lump sum of all these classes. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really good quality. And it's accelerated. I know in undergrad, I have probably the worst coping mechanisms. I would just sleep. You wouldn't sleep? catch me. I would you would sleeping. catch me in the bathroom crying, like having a mental breakdown because it was so hard. Seriously. Oh, wow. It was bad. People didn't see yeah. me. I would be asleep. Where's Jen sleep? Like... <laughs> exam just passed so (laughs) the next topic we're going to move on to is the um letters of recommendations like how did you ask for them and who did you decide yeah so uh like i said you see yourself up there i like this yeah um so uh i asked for um, certainly, I asked for four letters of rec for MD schools and then five from DO because some DO schools recommend that you have an actual osteopathic physician letter mm-hmm. of rec. So for my DO application, I also asked um, a, a DO from my, I, I worked as a scribe, so I asked a DO from the emergency department if she could write me a letter of rec, and she said yes. In terms of the other uh, uh, other letters of rec I received, um, I work in, or I, or I guess I'm a part of research at Bradley, so I do like uh, research with genetics and everything. And so I asked my professor if she could write me a letter of rec. Um, another really cool, like I think one of the most unique ones I got was uh, I, I took a history of modern Mexico class for fun uh, during my junior year, and the professor um, that would like taught it, she's from Mexico and everything. And so um, my parents are from Mexico, and so like during the class, I kind of like talked a lot and. You know, I kind of, like, talked to my parents about the class and everything, and so she could tell I was, like, really passionate about, like, history of modern Mexico, and so uh, I asked her for a letter of rec, and she got so excited. It was really oh, awesome. That was nice. Yeah, she was, like, I I think, like, definitely asking a, a letter of rec, not from, like, someone who you got a good grade from, but instead, like, someone who actually can talk about your, you know, your strengths and things you carry, so. Mm-hmm. And personal and experiences with that person, I think, is important as well. Yeah, and like, and she even like wrote, she even like mailed me her uh, the letter of rec afterwards. Like a month later, she mailed me her letter of rec that she would set, that she sent in. I didn't ask for it, but Aww, she was just really sweet about it. That was nice. Yeah. And real quick, how do you go about? How do you ask them for letters of rec? Yeah. So what I'd recommend is like you definitely need to ask them at least like two or three months in advance, if possible. Um, like one month, like minimum at least. Because, you know, professors get busy during, like, around this time because it's, like, finals and everything. So, uh, for most of my people I asked, I asked in person. So, um, I, like, I told them, like, hey, I am, um, so for, like, the History of Mono Mexico professor, for example, I, I wasn't able to ask her in person or actually any of my, and no, you know what, actually none of my professors I, I asked in person because it was during COVID. So, um, I think what I did is I set up a meeting with them and I asked them, I said, like, I'm applying to medical school. Um, would it be possible for you to write me a letter of recommendation? Um, and like one of the strong parts uh, about letting, or like letters are definitely like talking about your strengths. And so, um, I, I would definitely send them your CV and your personal statement if you can, before they write the personal, their letter of rec. So they can have like a better idea about like. Uh, your personal background because like a a lot of my professors asked me for a cv and uh my personal statement before they wrote my letter of rec 
Mm-hmm. That's mine. Like, I personally just started, like, compiling mine, like, earlier this year. And, like, they all asked for, like, what, why I wanted to be a doctor. So they said I can send my um, personal statement in that case. And then I can also, I also needed, like, a CV or, like, resume. So they knew, like, more of my background to, like, write a full letter of recommendation. And I thought that was, like, good. Because, like, before, I think in undergrad, I didn't have too many people ask me that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did ask, like, one professor that knew me quite well. Like, so I didn't, he didn't really need one. But, like, other people were just like, oh, yeah, I'll write one. I'm just like. Off what? Like I know, like I was in your class, but like, do you know me me? as a person? Like I know I did good, but like what else? (laughs) And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just getting a professor that actually knows you or like is able to talk about your strengths. It's like one thing you should look into. And the last topic that we're going to cover in the application cycle is the interviews. Actually, we have two. I shouldn't have said the last topic. So the next topic that we're going to cover is the secondaries. How did those come about? And like, how are they different than the initial questions that they asked? Can you also explain what that is? Just because people who are listening might not know what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you submit your initial application, which is considered your primary application. So it's like I've got all your descriptions, your personal statement, um, all that fun stuff and everything. And then uh, a few weeks to like a month later, uh, medical school starts sending you secondaries. And so secondaries um, are just uh, basically emails telling you like, hey, uh, we need you to submit more questions, like answers to these questions um, within like a certain time span. So some schools like require you to take the, send out the answers within like uh, two weeks. Uh, I think. Typically, two weeks is what's advised. So, like, a secondary, it'll have a bunch of questions, question prompts, and then, like, a word character limit. They vary a lot between every school. So, like, some schools, I remember, was only, like, like 50 words, and some were, like, 500 minimum kind of thing. And so, it varied a lot. And so, um, I I think what my advisor recommended was, like, uh, a maximum you have to get those responded back to, like, Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. And I know they're really, they're fairly long, right? Yeah, so. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Timothy. So So the next part of the um, application process after you submit your secondaries, um, I would say, is the interview process. And how was that virtually this year versus what you would traditionally expect? Uh, it was cheaper for me, <laughs> so I didn't have That's to buy a good thing. It was really nice, so I didn't have to take a lot of time off either or anything like that. Um, so it was just basically Zoom interviews for eight hours. So what most schools would do is like, it, it, like it isn't an interview for eight hours. It's like an interview for like an hour, an hour and a half. But uh, like they make you do like a, it's like a full day, it's like a visit day. So they go through like their entire curriculum. Uh, why why we why you should choose them basically and like their mission statement and everything and you get to meet a bunch of students it's really nice for most schools um, and then and then it depends on the school so some schools do like traditional interviews where like it's just like a one-on-one and then some schools do MMIs so multiple mini interviews mm-hmm. so basically you just like a spend like 10 minutes with like one person and they give you a question and they give you time to think about it and then you have to respond, and then it goes again with a different person. So kind of eliminates, like, just one person making the decision on whether or not that was a good interview. Kind of thing. And it was never just you. Well, it was never you with another person, right? It was always you just being interviewed by yourself with amongst the admissions committee. 
Yeah, so... Uh, I know they have group interviews. Some people do do group interviews. So, like, I don't know if they did that virtually. No, but they would put us in, like, a big group, and then they break us out into, like, individual, or, like, one student per, like, uh, sometimes you get interviewed by medical students, sometimes it's by, like, faculty, sometimes it's by professors. So I, I never got put in with another student during my interview. What was, like, a crazy interview question that they gave you? Like, what questions stuck out to you the most? I think it's, like, the ones that... Like, the ones that don't apply to medicine, so, like, they just ask you something about your lifestyle, so, like, something that just catches you off guard, like, uh, like, one time they told me, like, to explain uh, a certain, like, like experience or something that I had, and then they, and then at the end of my, like, explanation and everything, they're like, okay, so now how are you, now are you how are you going to apply that to medicine? Hmm. Like, like, those kind of things, so it's like, <laughs> Yeah, like, you'd be like, great question. Give me a time to think about that. Yeah. And I'll sit there in like 10 minutes of silence. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice because some, some, some schools, like, they had to do like the MMI thing and they give you like a minute to think about what you're going to say before you actually. Oh, that's nice. That's you know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that for my schools, for some MMI schools. So I know, like, uh, okay, medical people think about medical school and they think that it's hard. So was there any, like, difficult interview questions that they asked you that really, like, stumped you and you was just stuck? Well, not that you were stuck, but, like, you had a hard time answering. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything, um, to be honest. And there probably really was one, but I, I just can't think of it off. I can't think of one off the top of my head. And when you don't have an answer to a question, what do you typically say for people? You can, you can, like most people feel comfortable with you just saying like, oh, um, that's like, like I remember we were taught like during step up to say, say like, oh, that's an interesting question. And you give me a second to think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Good. That's, like, that's one. Because most schools are pretty relaxed. Like they know that you're, you're going to be a little stressed out. And so mm-hmm. giving you an extra second, they, they don't really mind at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, so Charles really just dropped some jewels and gems. Mm-hmm. He was an op- he did all of this process a few months ago and he's during going, a pandemic. During a pandemic mm-hmm. had that. And now he's going into med school in August. So he just dropped some gems and jewels and y'all need to stay tuned and listen when we drop this. Mm-hmm. So um that completes our interview, Charles. Um any last words of advice for any of our pre meds? Or even encouragement. Yeah. I definitely be like to yourself you can do it because i know when i first started college i always like doubted myself i was like oh, i'm not smart enough i'm not like you know <laughs> like you just always have that idea where you're just like you think you're like the imposter syndrome where you just think you're not good enough at all and so it really wasn't until like i got to my junior year where i realized that i was like capable of doing it and i think that i definitely think that it kind of changed my like how well i did the school too like, I, I don't really have to, I don't get stressed out as much in school now. And so just, I think just having faith in yourself really does make a huge difference, even during the application cycle from everything. Well, you heard it from the man himself who's going into med school in August. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Charles, for being a part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wish you the best of luck in, med in your med school mm-hmm. journey. And thank we're going to so see much. you at the top. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to be referring our future patients to Charles. Yes. Going to Chicago, Hopefully. Charles. And, yeah. <laughs> Just go to Charles, that's it. Well, I, 
good luck with you guys too. I know you guys are applying the cycle, right? So mm-hmm. best of luck. You guys, I know you guys are, you guys got this. You guys are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Um, okay. Later. Yeah. So our Diamond Doc of the Month, or Diamond Docs of the Month, are the doctors who formulated the documentary, Black Men in White Coats. Their main mission is to try and matriculate as many Black men into um, medicine as possible. Um, They formulated an entire documentary. Um, It's online now if you want to watch it, Black Men in White Coats. And they've just been very passionate about diversifying medicine, so shout out them. You can go follow them below. And our prima gem for this month would be the Pediatric Playground. The Pediatric Playground has been a very interactive follower on our Instagram for as soon as we uploaded our Instagram. She is an undergraduate who is majoring in molecular biology, and she also drops a lot of gems and jewels when it comes to MCAT studying. So we want to thank you for being such an interactive follower and giving so much information about med school, well, matriculating into med school um and your own lifestyle yes and sharing everything that you have been going through because i always say if if you could do it we could do it too in the long run so just thank you shout out her and shout out to her and if you want to follow her it's for some really good studying tips for the mcat it's the pediatric playground on instagram thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast remember to follow us at pre-med gems on Instagram and also to email us at premedgems at gmail.com. Remember, this is a community for learning and loving and being kind to one another. Thank you.